Good morning, church. Hey, Christmas is coming, you guys. I thought I'd show you that. By, by the way, you can wear Christmas colors before Christmas. Just want to let you all know that. Remember last Christmas? We couldn't travel. Most of us couldn't be together. with. Uh, we couldn't be together like this. We're all in front of screens. And remember two years ago, for those of you who are watching from home, two years ago, if you weren't here in the cinema, you couldn't have worshipped together. But we get to worship together. Those of you who are watching in a couple hours um, in, on the West Coast, we still get to worship together. So among all the hype about gifts in our culture at Christmas time, we'd like to, to spend our, our message time here at Cornerstone looking at the gifts God has for us at Christmas. Here's one of the really cool things right off the bat about the gifts that God has for us. There are no supply chain problems. The gifts God has for us at Christmas are readily available to every single one of us if we will pursue them, if we will receive them. The gift that I am talking about today that God has for us this Advent is the gift of joy. But right off the bat, we need to recognize something about joy. We know it when we're experiencing it, but as soon as we try to step outside and analyze it and understand it, poof, it goes away. Joy is one of those things that, that we have to be in it, but when we're there, we know what it is. So the famous Christian apologist C.S. Lewis explored in considerable depth the theme of joy mostly in his autobiography that he titled, Surprised by Joy. Let me read you just a couple quotes from C.S. Lewis about joy. He wrote, in a sense, the central story of my life is about nothing else. It is that of an unsatisfied desire, which itself is more desirable than any other desire. And he said, I call it joy. I like that definition. Joy is an unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other desire. He continues and says, joy is distinct not only from pleasure, but also from beauty. Joy, he says, must have the stab, the pain, the inconsolable longing. He says, I doubt whether anyone who has tasted joy would ever, if both were in their power, would ever exchange joy for all the pleasures of the world. But then, joy is not within our power, and pleasure often is. Maybe this quote will catch your attention. He says, joy is not a substitute for sex. Sex is very often a substitute for joy. He says, I wonder sometimes whether all pleasures are not substitutes for joy. And then in one of his addresses called The Weight of Glory, he wrote this, or said this actually first. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition 
when infinite joy is offered to us, we are far too easily pleased. C.S. Lewis had an understanding of the gift of joy that God has for us, for our lives, and that we want to focus on in this message. But after 20 months, 20 months of COVID-19 and a new variant on the horizon, with another school shooting this week, with ongoing racial injustice, in the face of, of a climate crisis, dare we hope for joy? Dare we hope and long for joy? That's a fair question. And with that, we must also, I think, recognize that experience has shown us that the pursuit of joy leads to a poverty of joy. Frantically pursuing joy. No matter what Walmart and all the automotive um, um, advertisements say, regardless of that, pursuing joy is not the pathway to joy. The frantic pursuit of joy only leads to a poverty of joy. But if we dare hope for joy, where do we go for it? Well, if you know me, you know what I did this, um, in preparation for this message. I searched the scriptures from beginning to end to try to find everything that the scriptures say about joy. And I got surprised. I lined up all the scriptures that I could find, and I started to see, I kind of coded the data, and I started to see a biblical pattern for joy that I'm now convinced, now that I see it, that if we will live into the biblical pattern for joy, we will become different kinds of people. And here's the pattern that I saw in scripture. Transcendent joy, that's joy from the outside that comes in. Transcendent joy that is responded to by nurturing the fruit of joy, which is joy from the inside going out. Transcendent joy with the fruit of joy leads to resilient joy. Transcendent joy with the fruit of joy leads to the kind of joy that C.S. Lewis was talking about, a resilient joy that is a desire that is greater than any other desire. So let's start with transcendent joy. The Bible is absolutely clear that joy begins from God. We know that we can't produce it. It's not in our power to produce joy. Scriptures say that joy is found in the presence of God. Psalm 16, verse 11. You, God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is a theme that runs throughout the scriptures. In Romans 15, Paul insists that God is the one, God is the one who fills us with joy and with peace. And I love how Peter talks about joy in 1 Peter 1.8. He says, though you have not seen him, Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Think about that joy, a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. 
Joy that is a desire greater than any other desire. God wants to offer us that joy. But we have to realize that it doesn't come from the inside out. It comes from the outside in. It is a transcendent joy from God. And we saw it at the first advent. Remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds? Luke says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy comes from God and is given to us. So think with me for a little bit. When have you experienced that kind of joy? And I I was able to meditate on this over the last few weeks. And um, I thought of the time when I was about eight years old, way up north in Canada on a family camping trip, and I saw the northern lights. And over five decades later, I still have that echo of joy inside of me that was transcendent joy. I didn't create it but I received it from my heavenly Father. I think of other times when I've had that kind of transcendent joy. And one of them for me, and some of you know this, and many others will figure this out or will experience this, when I was standing in the front of a church one afternoon, and at the other end of the church in the center aisle, my wife appeared in her wedding dress. And there was a joy within me that actually caused me to start to weep. Other times when I've experienced that kind of transcendent joy, I was surprised by it. I didn't create it. I experienced it when I held each of my children for the very first time. There's something that washes over you in that experience. There was a time in Honduras when I was sitting in the church office and I was just aching for more of the presence of God. Again, 30-plus years later, I still remember in my chest this weight of glory as the presence of God filled that space. And it was so intense, I thought, I can't take any more, but I didn't want it to stop. When have you experienced transcendent joy? You don't need a lot of those kinds of joys to realize that there is something that God has for human beings that is far greater than things that we normally desire. But you know, it's not just those huge areas of joy, times when we're surprised by joy. I started thinking about it, I realized that there are also simple daily times when I'm surprised by joy. When I take a walk in the woods next to a lake, and I realize that my Father in Heaven is the creator of all of the beauty around me. When I look at a child playing, when I look at a mother loving their child. There's so many, sometimes it's the smile of a greeting of a good friend. For me, with many of you, I have this like this surprising joy that comes when I realize you really are growing into your truest selves. There is a joy that we don't manufacture 
that comes from God. And it's available to us this Christmas. It's available to us if we're following, if we're walking with Jesus Christ. The biblical pattern of joy is that joy starts, it's transcendent. It starts from God and comes to us. But what do we do about that? If we don't have the power to create it, what do we do? And the scriptures are pretty clear about that as well. We wait upon the Lord. We ask the Lord for his joy to fill us. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait until his joy comes and finds us. Will you slow down at some point this Christmas and wait for the joy of the Lord to find you? Sometimes I wonder, why did, why did the angels, you know, the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven, why did they show up to shepherds out in some field somewhere obscurely? And I wonder whether they were able to announce God's transcendent joy to the shepherds because the shepherds were available. Will you, what will you do to make yourself available to wait upon the Lord for his joy to come and find you? this Christmas. So that's transcendent joy. Second part of the pattern is the fruit of joy. And I read through all kinds of scriptures and realized that there is a spiritual fruit of joy. It's in Galatians chapter 5. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, is a joy that is nurtured and nourished that comes from the inside out. So we meet the transcendent joy of God that comes from outside, and then we respond by nourishing the fruit of joy in our own lives so that we become people of joy. So God's transcendent joy, when it's met with our response of willingness, changes and transforms us. So we aren't people of anxiety. We aren't people of crabbiness and complaining. We become people of joy from the inside out. And then I looked at all the scriptures that talk about how do we nourish the fruit of joy. And there's way more than I could possibly put into a sermon. But let me give you four categories, broad categories, of what the scripture says we can do to nourish the fruit of joy. The first one is we nourish the fruit of joy and become people of joy when we connect with Jesus. So in John chapter 15, Jesus talks throughout that whole chapter about abiding, connecting with him, being aware of his presence, not just, you know, every once in a while, but by moment by moment through the day. And Jesus talks about that abiding. And then in John 15, verse 11, he says this. He says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you, so that your joy will be full. When we connect with Jesus... We nourish the fruit of joy. It's actually kind of surprising how much Jesus wanted us to have fullness of joy. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he is looking at his imminent death, he's talking to the Father, and he says this in John 17, 13. But now, Father, I am coming to you. And these things that I speak in the world... Hold it, I lost it. Almost there. There it is. Jesus prayed, but now, Father, I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that my joy may be, be in them, and they will have fullness of joy. Connecting, abiding, communing, 
dialoguing, being aware of Jesus, nourishes the fruit of joy. What can you do to consciously create more space this Christmas to, to connect with Jesus? Not just on Sundays, not just in your morning prayers, but moment by moment through your day. Secondly, the scriptures say that we become people of joy when we worship God and praise him for his goodness and his blessings. You all know this is true. You know the joy that you have when we are together singing in praise and worship. But that joy that we have when we are in worship together here, that's not supposed to just be on Sundays. There is to be a gratitude and a thanksgiving, a counting of our blessings that we do day by day through our life so that we become people of gratitude. So Psalm 63, verses 5 through 7, talks about this daily connecting, this daily counting our blessings. And the psalmist says, My soul will be satisfied, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. Counting our blessings and praising God for them changes us from the inside out so we become people of joy. What will you do this Christmas to set aside time to count your blessings? Because there are probably a whole lot of them that we're taking for granted. Number three, the scriptures say that we nourish the fruit of joy and become people of joy when we live holy lives. The world, the flesh, and the devil want to tempt us to think that we get joy when we do what we want. But that is never, ever, 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 ever the pathway to joy. The pathway to joy is to live a holy life. Psalm 97, joy is for the upright in heart. Ecclesiastes 2, to those who please him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. Second part of that verse tells us that sin and doing what we want is the pathway to drudgery. But God gives joy to those who please him. And I don't know about you, but the one thing that I want to hear with Jesus when I see him face to face, I want to hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Living holy lives leads us to become people of joy. So what will you do this Advent to nurture your holiness, to repent of the sins that keep weighing you down and bring them before Jesus and be forgiven and recommit to live a godly life? And then the fourth category, and last one here for how we nourish the fruit of joy and become people of joy is we invest in life together. We invest in life together. I was actually overwhelmed when I looked at all the scriptures, how many scriptures there are that talk about our joy is in each other. It's in our community. It's in our relationships. So Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He said, you are my glory and my joy. And then he said, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy we feel for your sake before our God. And then to the Philippians, he said that they were his joy and his crown. To Timothy, he said, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And to Philemon, he said, I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. 
And then the Apostle John models it just like Paul does. John says in, that in his first letter that he wanted to, to communicate what he knew about Jesus so that together he and those who were listening would have complete joy. 2 John chapter 12, or 2 John verse 12, though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy will be complete. And then in his third little epistle, he said, it gives me no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. We actually know this because we've lived through 20 months of COVID when we were separated from one another and we couldn't see each other's smiles. We couldn't look in each other's eyes. We couldn't experience the joy of being brothers and sisters in the family of Jesus. It makes me really, really sad for those Christians who are giving up on church because they are cutting themselves off from a significant source of joy in their lives. So what will you do this Christmas to invest in life together with your friends and with those who are walking with Jesus with you? Because there are specific things that we can do. By the way, you don't have to wait till Cornerstone pastors put something on a calendar. You can become creators of that community. You can invest in creating community and not just consume community. So what will you do this Christmas to invest in your friendships and your community to reap the fruit of joy? So transcendent joy met with nourished, nourishing the fruit of joy leads to, I found in the pattern, resilient joy. So the thing that happens when we wait on the Lord for his joy and then we respond by nourishing joy is we become less and less people of anxiety and people of worry and people of, of grumbling. And we become more and more people with a resilient joy. Again, I was surprised how many scriptures talk about this resilient joy. Paul, again, in 2 Corinthians 7 this time, he says, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. That's interesting, because in my affliction, I usually don't have a whole lot of joy. But there is a resilient Christian joy that even in affliction, even in persecution, there is joy. James 1, 2 is probably the most famous verse about resilient joy. James says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. There's a different stance, right? There's somebody who had a resilient joy and he says, give me more trials because that creates more joy that is resilient within me. Habakkuk in the Old Testament talks about this resilient joy. And this is um, in, in chapter three of Habakkuk and many of you will recognize it. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olives fail, and the fields yield no fruit, food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. There is a resilient joy that starts to develop within us. And Jesus, of course, 
is the greatest model of this kind of resilient joy. We are told in Hebrews 12 that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. There is a Christian resilient joy that it doesn't matter if there's another pandemic. It doesn't matter if you get fired from your job. It doesn't matter if you fail an exam or a class. It doesn't matter if you don't graduate from that school or get into that school or get that job. It doesn't matter what the world throws out at us. But there is a resilient joy that we can have if we have received God's transcendent joy and nourish the fruit of joy within us. So this morning, as we come to the table of communion, Jesus invites us to join with him and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus invites us to receive the gift of God's joy. And so during communion, um, I want to encourage you, we'll, we'll have, again, two minutes of quiet reflection where you can talk with God. Tell him whatever is going on, because he already knows. You might as well let him hear it from your lips, but he already knows. We'll give you two minutes to do business with God. But perhaps you might want to recount. After those, you kind of quiet your heart. Count and remember the joys that God has put in your life that you may already be um, kind of counting for granted. And the secondly, maybe you want to tell Jesus that you will slow down and create space, not just once a week or twice a week leading up to Christmas, but maybe you want to tell Jesus you'll create space somewhere every day to be with him, to wait upon him for the joy, for his joy to find you this Christmas. And then thirdly, maybe you want to talk to the Holy Spirit because joy is a fruit of the Spirit and ask the Spirit what you can do to nourish the joy that Jesus has for you. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. And then the same way, after the meal, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood, the symbol of a new covenant and agreement that God makes with the human race because of my death. And he said, all of you partake of it. So let me encourage you to take your communion elements. And I'm actually going to sit down to give you enough time that is undistracted. Do business with God. Talk to God the Father. Talk to Jesus the Son. And talk to the Holy Spirit about the joy that they have for you. And let me pray for the elements. And then just take the elements when you're ready. Lord Jesus, we remember you in the breaking of the bread. And we invite you to spread your transcendent joy throughout our lives. We are here willing to receive and then to let 
your joy start to transform us. So now in the next two minutes, just talk with God. And then take the communion when you're ready. And I'll come back back afterwards to lead us in one more point. So there's actually another part of the biblical pattern for joy that I saw in my meditations this week. Transcendent joy from the outside in, responded to by nourishing the fruit of joy within us, leads to transcendent joy that then in turn leads to what I'm calling echoing joy. When that transcendent joy has transformed us, then the joy echoes through our lives to influence the lives of all who are around us. One of the amazing things about the gifts that God gives at Advent is they are actually intended to be re-gifted. There's nothing wrong when you re-gift the gifts that God gives you at Advent. There is something wrong if you don't re-gift the gifts that God gives you. So would you become, make a commitment to become such a person of joy that the joy of God echoes through your life and touches others? One of the best ways to have the best Christmas ever is not to go out and try to hope for joy and try to find joy. One of the best ways to have the best Christmas ever is to give the joy that God has put within you, to give it away to others. 
what can you do this Christmas to care for others who probably don't deserve it and you may not even know? What can you do to give the joy that God has given you to those who are more needy, to those who are struggling in some way? How can you make Christmas about giving yourself away more than receiving something that you might want. After 20 months of COVID-19 and racial reckoning and everything else that's messed up in this world, can we dare long for joy? The scriptures say we can. And the scriptures promise that if we ask, God will give us his joy that will then change us, that can then change the world. So we can't end this service without singing the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. So as the worship team is coming forward to set up for that, the welcome ministry has for you a token and a reminder of God's gift of joy for you this Christmas. So they're going to be passing it down the aisles. Just take one and, and, and um, let me recommend that you pick it up by the wooden part and then the ribbon will kind of come out. If you try to do the ribbon, you're going to pull all, all of them out. So welcome ministry, would you come and bring us those gifts? And then after we sing together, I'll come and give the final blessing. This Advent, um, as uh, Pastor Bill opened uh, this sermon series on joy, we're going to, as he mentioned, talk about all the different gifts. And they're all going to be represented with these ornaments that we wanted to give you all. So I don't know if you all have trees in your living rooms or in your dorm rooms or something like that. But uh, find a nice place uh, for them to go, maybe hanging from your car window or a rear view window or something. Um, and it's just like a token for uh, us to have these reminders of these gifts that we have in Christmas time. Um, so as we sing, you can just keep passing them around. So make sure you look at your neighbor. Uh, it still needs to go around. I think there's still a few more. Um, but we're going to sing this song together. So let's uh, close our service as one. Yeah.
righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his the clouds melt the ask God of this. this is our prayer drive the dark of doubt away giver of immortal gladness fill us with the 